All right, so uh, my goal is to finish 1 Corinthians 15, and uh, this is... Uh, this is going to be a, a good timing for this because we started the resurrection chapter the Wednesday before Easter Sunday, and now we're finishing the resurrection chapter uh, a week before uh, Pentecost, right? So uh, tonight is 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 58. So if you want to look in your own... Uh, passage, your own translation of Scripture, your own copy of Scripture. But you can also take a look uh, on the screen if you're joining us online or on our screen over here, and uh, I'm going to be using the English Standard Version. So let's pray first, and then let's uh, get into the Word. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to teach your Word. Um, I thank you for those that will uh, join us now or who will join us later online. And I pray that you will open our hearts and minds so that we'll understand what you want to say to us tonight. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle Paul writes, I tell you this, brothers and sisters, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, <clears throat> my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Right? Um, so let's start with this very important verse where he says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does perishable inherit the imperishable. Let's start off with perishable. We usually think of that in relation to food, don't we? Okay. You could also translate, translate this word corruptible. We usually, trans, we usually uh, use that word corrupt or corruptible in relation to human character. But I think this word perish, perishable works. Um, if you think about it, um, what, what is a perishable food that, that you have to throw away? Can you think of one? What would you say? Avocados. I know. I, I saw somebody showed a, showed a meme where it was like a, it was like a picture of an, a cartoon avocado. And it was like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> it's like you have to hit that perfect sweet spot with an avocado. But boy, are they good, aren't they? Oh, avocados are good. How about milk? I mean, it's so for a while there, I like to get Brahms milk quite a bit. For a while there, I was going to Brahms and they changed what they were calling it and all this stuff. And I was getting it. And we're talking five days before the expiration date. It was already my mom. You know what my mom used to say when milk went bad? If you ever heard this term, she said, that milk has gone blink. Blink. Milk has gone blink. Well, that milk has gone blink because it smells bad, really, really bad. A lot of milk products are like that. Cheese is like that, right? Cottage cheese is like that. So, um, you know, um, really, vegetables. See, this is why I go out to eat because what I do is I buy all these vegetables. I put them in the crisper. And they're wilted and dead and terrible, and I've just wasted my money. So perishable, right? Our bodies are perishable. Now, thankfully, it takes longer for our bodies to endure that than it does milk or avocados. But our bodies are perishable. You need to understand this. You are mortal. I don't care how many preachers jump up and down and tell you that you're immortal and you're going to live forever. You're only going to live forever 
if Jesus is in your life and you receive the gift of eternal life from God, God is the only being that is inherently immortal. Hey, our favorite place up the road, intrinsically immortal. You are not intrinsically immortal. You are perishable, you are corruptible, you are mortal. You will die, you will be raised, you will be judged, and then you will be destroyed forever, okay? Now, whatever that portends, if someone believes that God keeps human beings alive in hell forever to torment them, that means he has to keep them alive forever because you are not inherently immortal. I do not believe that. Um, after a long period of time, I have come to believe very strongly in conditional uh, immortality. That means it is conditioned upon you receiving this gift of eternal life. Okay? Um, so, this verse is worthy of memorization. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. No one is going to enter heaven in their present state. Jesus said, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is, is spirit, okay, or spiritual. Flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. That means your flesh, that's you in the natural. Flesh, we think of that as like our skin, but it's, it's, it's much more broad than that when we use that term, when the, the scripture uses that term. It's the Greek word sarx, and it really just means you apart from God, you in the natural, that's the flesh. So it's all that encompasses you, but you apart from God. See, when Adam and Eve unplugged from God, they unplugged from the power source, okay? So uh, I think everybody has one of these now, right? Yours may not look like mine, but I bet you have one of these, right? I bet you guys online, you have one of these. You probably could be watching on one of these. This is not connected to a power source right now. So what's going to happen to this? It's going to die. Battery's going to run down, all right? Now, this one is fairly new, and what I've noticed is, depending on how much I use it that day, one day brings the battery down to about 50%, sometimes in the 40s. Now, on days when I really use it, use it, use it, it'll go all the way down and start warning me that it's, you know, 20% and so forth. But that's only when I just really go crazy on it, right? But eventually, even the battery doesn't hold the charge for as long, does it? The longer you have that phone, the more it wears the battery out, and the sooner the battery will wear down. And that's just all a part of what I talked about Sunday. You know, I talked to you guys about the physical laws of the universe. God created the universe with physical laws, and two of them that I referred to were the first and second laws of thermodynamics. The second law of thermodynamics is the law of entropy, and that's what the battery in this phone is following, okay? All energy proceeds toward death. That means its lowest possible state. So I have to add energy from an outside source to this battery in order to charge it up. That's you, man, woman, child. That's you. You have to receive power from Almighty God if you're going to continue to live forever. So here's what we have as an example of that, or really more than an example, this is the basis of that. In the garden, there were two trees that were made, of, were made aware of that were um, different than the standard fruit trees, right? So they were told they could eat from any tree in the garden, fruit trees, okay? But they could not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because in the day Adam was told, you eat of it, you will die. Well, he didn't drop dead at that moment in time. He was unplugged from the source of life, and that's Almighty God because there was another tree in the garden that was different than a fruit tree. And we are told that Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden and separated from the garden. Why? So they could not get back to that tree. What is that other tree? It's the tree of life. That's the tree that gave them continuing life, you see. So God... Believe it or not, this is, this is the curse, but this is also grace and mercy. God did not want Adam and Eve to continue in their sinful, fallen state, so they continued to receive life from this tree 
but that life is really perpetuating their sinful state, and that's not what God wants. So we come to existence and come to life in a world that is separated from God, fallen from God, and we are given an opportunity as we receive revelation from God, and even people that haven't heard of Jesus or read the Bible receive revelation from nature. If you look around you and you say, my, 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 isn't evolution awesome? Nobody says that, okay? People have to go to college and be taught that everything came about as the result of sheer chance. The standard human being, without being told, is in awe. I was born in Grand Canyon, Arizona, okay? Now I say in Grand Canyon, I don't mean in the Grand Canyon. You're like, yeah, born in the Grand Canyon. <laughs> yeah, it's like my name is Daryl Hall. Hi, where's John Oates? Okay, same jokes my entire life. No, I was born on the south rim of the Grand Canyon. And I've gone back time after time over the years. Okay, I was born there. I lived there till I was four years old. We went back numerous times. Every time I go and look at that, it's takes my breath away. It's stunning. It's amazing. And I don't say, my, 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 evolution is awesome. See, I see a guided process there. Certainly, I believe that wind and water dug that canyon, but why does it impress me the way it does? Why does it hit me with the beauty that it is? Not just because I was born there. It would hit you with the same, it's not the same as looking at a picture. You know, we've seen so many movies and, you know, these movie artists are able to create all of this stuff, um, you know, using what we used to call CGI, right? Computer-generated uh, information or animation. And no, it's real. It's right out there in front of you. It's stunning. I took teenagers uh, to Colorado for many years. Um, it's been a long time since we've been back because it's just gotten so expensive to go skiing there now. But... Um, through the 90s, late 80s, all the way through the 90s, and up to 2003 was the last year we went, um, I've taken teenagers and young adults and adults to every major ski area in Colorado, right? You name it, we've been there. I've been to Winter Park, I've been to Breckenridge, I've been to Telluride, I've been to all of them, okay? Steamboat Springs, you name it, we've been there. It's amazing. You go up a ski lift and it's just, it just takes your breath away. Who in their right mind is going to say, wow, this all evolved as the result of sheer chance? No, no. There's a creative process there. There's a creator, and he made me as a recipient, okay, so that I can receive that beauty and be impressed by him. Everybody has that basic revelation of God, and as a result, has the opportunity to respond to it. And if someone responds to that revelation, God gives them greater revelation. But until we come to the point where God renews us by his spirit, where God restores what he created originally, that is you created in his image, until that happens, you're going to die. You're mortal, period. That's all there is to it. You're going to die. He will raise you. You'll be judged. You'll be destroyed eternally. Or you're going to die and that death will be a transition into paradise with Jesus. You will wait for judgment day. You will not be judged for the evil that you've done because that's been paid for by Jesus, but you will be judged for the works that you have or have not done in his name. If you just wasted what he gave you, there will be no tears in heaven, but I think there will be many tears shed at the judgment seat of Christ. I think people will realize what they did and did not do on this earth. And, you know, they're going to weep. They're going to mourn about some of those things. But then that mourning will be absorbed, absolved, removed as we transition into eternal life with Christ. But we have to be changed, right? We're all mortal. Jesus' death and resurrection makes forgiveness possible. We need to be reborn from above. We need to be resurrection, resurrection. Uh, we need to be resurrected. How's that? Um, we need to have access to God's kingdom. Jesus was clear when he spoke to Nicodemus. 
He said, unless you are reborn, born again, born from above, the word in Greek is anothen, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you're reborn, you can't even perceive the kingdom of God. Unless you're born from above, you can't perceive it, you can't know it, you can't uh, experience it in any way. And then Jesus said uh, a verse later, or two verses later to Nicodemus, unless you're born of water, that's natural birth, and the spirit, that's supernatural birth, you cannot inherit eternal life. You cannot enter the kingdom of God, okay? So the kingdom of God, which exists outside this created material space and time in which we live, will one day become unified with our uh, natural creation. Um, I think I quoted N.T. Wright's book, Surprised by Joy, previously in reference to this truth. And N.T. Wright says this, quote, God made heaven and earth. At the last, he will remake both and join them together forever. So you see, heaven is not going to be this weird, ethereal world where we float around like spirits or ghosts or even angels, okay? It's a renewed earth, right? It's a renewed space, if you will, where we'll live forever. And we have to be remade to be suited for that, okay? Um, you know, there's a lot of talk today, especially coming from uh, Elon Musk, about <clears throat> traveling to Mars, setting up colonies on Mars, right? Okay, well, good luck with that. But the reality is you're not suited to live on the moon or Mars, are you? Because you need to breathe. You need to have water. You need to have food, all these things. So we have to import all of that We'd have to create some sort of an artificial world up there that really just simulates Earth is what we're doing, and we're just transplanting that there because you're not going to turn Mars or the moon or any other planet into the Earth. God created the Earth for our habitation and not those planets, right? So fine, go travel the moon, travel to Mars, all that, that's great. But that's not what we're suited to live. You're not suited to live underwater either. You know, we've figured out ways to scuba dive, right? Uh, people can get in these uh, really, really sophisticated submarines and descend really, really deep into the ocean, but we're not designed for that. The sheer weight of the ocean crushes anything that goes deeper and deeper. In fact, even scuba diver, divers, um, if they go too deep, they have to ascend very slowly because bubbles, nitrogen bubbles will uh, develop in your blood and you'll, your blood will literally boil. You know, you've heard somebody when they're mad say, my blood is boiling. Well, if you go too deep and you're a scuba diver or you stay down too long and you come up too fast, your blood will literally boil. You're not made to be down there, man. That's not what we're created for. And the reason I'm using those examples is because I want to show you that you are not naturally made for heaven, for eternal life. You have to be raised. You have to receive this imperishable, incorruptible body, right? Then the Apostle Paul talks about this transitional phase, okay? So they really, these first century Christians, fully expected that Jesus was going to return in their lifetime. Surprise, 2,000 years later, Jesus hasn't come back yet, right? But if we consider 2,000 years as a percentage of the overall time of the Earth's existence, it's a fraction of a fraction of a second, okay? The Earth has been around for probably 4.5 billion years. 2,000 years is like that for that, okay? So it's just a matter of how we perceive time. And if we, if we consider 2,000 years as a fraction of the um, overall time that the universe has existed, well, that's 13.73 billion years, the last I checked. Well, that's nothing. That's a blink of an eye, okay? And Peter gets at that when he says, and he quotes, actually he's quoting from uh, Psalm 90, which is Moses' psalm, the only psalm attributed to Moses, where he says to the Lord, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years are as a day gone by, okay? So they expected that Jesus was going to return in their lifetime. Um, that doesn't mean 
and the Apostle Paul is going to show this, that Jesus was going to come back exactly as he had been those 33 years on earth and live with them as they were. They had to be changed. Everybody has to be changed. They had to be changed as Jesus was changed in his resurrection. So perhaps they were thinking, and perhaps you're thinking, well, what if Jesus returns in my lifetime and I haven't died? What's going to happen? Am I just going to stay the way I am? No, you are not. This is what the Apostle Paul says. I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That means die. But we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. So in the natural, everybody dies. However, God has already translated two people directly into his kingdom, Enoch and Elijah. When Christ returns, many more will experience something similar. And I want to be one of those people. Frankly, I just really don't want to die. Anybody want to die? Raise your hand. Okay, exactly what I thought. Me either. Right? I don't. I want Jesus to return in my lifetime. I want to be translated into his presence. And if that's not possible, then I want to go the way our brother Vernon died. Okay, Vernon, who was here the last time I taught this study, who was here every Wednesday, I, I you know, I always kind of shrug my shoulders when people make excuses as to why they're not going to be here uh, for, for church. <laughs> Vernon was in his mid-90s, and he was so excited when he got his driver's license, because at that age, you only get it renewed for two years. And he was so excited. Do you know why he was so excited? Because he wanted to come to church. And he was here for everything. I had movie nights, and Vernon was here, and I'm playing these kid movies. We had rock concerts here, and here's Vernon. <laughs> and he's, he's getting into it, right? But Vernon died in his sleep, and that's how he wanted to die. Now, that doesn't mean he didn't experience some pain in his last days on earth, but um, he didn't die an excruciating death. He went to sleep um, sometime the morning of, uh, early morning of March 15th, and passed away, translated into the presence of the Lord, okay? I want to be one of the number that uh, is translated into the Lord's presence without dying, but if I do die, I want to go that way. But the, metaf the metamorphosis has to occur. You can't go to heaven the way you are, right? Um, this is what Jesus said in his, uh, his uh, sometimes it's called the Olivet Discourse because he was on the Mount of Olives. Sometimes it's called the Eschatological Discourse, big word that just means uh, a teaching or talk on the end times. This is found in Matthew 24, and I'm going to read verse 27, and then I'm going to read verses 30 through 42. This is the English Standard Version. Jesus says, For just as the lightning comes from the east and flashes even to the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Verse 30. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds, that means his chosen, from the four winds, from, the, from one end of the sky to the other. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. Think about Noah built the ark, waiting and waiting and waiting for this rain, right? For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. So they were just going on with life as usual. That's uh, people today, man. It doesn't seem to matter how many, you know, major tragedies we have. We have like a worldwide pandemic and, you know, we have, uh, you know, mass shootings every week now. And people just, you know, carry on with their lives like nothing's changed. You know, well, that's terrible. Well, I'm just going to, you know, keep doing what I'm doing the way I'm doing it. The world's getting worse. So that would seem to me to mean that I need to draw closer to the Lord and be ready, right? Um, verse 39, And they, that is, those people in the days of Noah, did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. So people are just going to be distracted. Hey, you can be distracted by everyday life, by your TV shows, by your job you know, by your daily routine, or you can pay attention and keep your eyes to the sky. Verse 40, then there will be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. 
Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. That's what Jesus wants us to know. You need to be ready. You need to be on the alert. You need to keep your eyes open. Then the Apostle Paul wrote about the same thing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. This is 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So just because you're still alive right now doesn't mean you're going to meet Jesus before the people that have died. The people that have died are not just going to stay there and wait for the rest of us that are alive. You're not going to go and meet the Lord as you are. You have to be changed. But he's going to raise them from the grave first. Okay? Then, after they are raised, we who are alive and remain, that is, remain on earth, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So this is where we get the word rapture. Have you ever heard that word before? Rapture. Okay, you might have heard that word in a secular sense, you know, that someone's just enraptured with something. Okay, they're in love, they're in rapture. Well, rapture means to be caught up. Okay, um, there used to be a common teaching in the church, and virtually everybody understood this, that Christ was going to return and rapture his church, rapture his people to be with him first before the earth was uh, judged, uh, as we see in Revelation. I'll talk about that in just a moment. All right? So, the question is, will this event where the dead in Christ are raptured occur before Christ's final return to earth? Right? Or will there be a, um, some folks have called it a secret rapture. That is, that suddenly there will be this, this cataclysmic event on earth where all of those who were the chosen, the elect, those who have uh, received Christ into their lives will be uh, taken up off of the earth, right? And uh, if you, you know, read books, so early 2000s, uh, there was a series of books by Jerry Jenkins, and there was another author too whose name evades me right now, um, but it was called Left Behind. Anybody ever hear of these books? Uh, they made a couple of movies. They didn't go any further than that, but they made a couple of movies. Had Kirk Cameron in the first movie. I don't know if you remember him. He's one of the child stars from, I don't know what, the 80s, 90s, whenever it was. Um, but Left Behind followed this idea that there would be a secret rapture, and then all of a sudden everybody would be confused. Hey, man, where did my loved one go? Well, this person believed in Jesus, and you were just dragging your feet, so they're gone. The Lord took them off the earth, and they're not going to suffer the wrath of God. Because listen, we're not destined for the wrath of God. You realize that, right? And when I say we, I mean those of us who believe, not those who are faking it to make it. You're not destined for wrath. That's what it also says in 1 Thessalonians, right? We're destined for eternal life. So he's not going to pour his wrath, that is, his judgment out on those of us who have received Christ and his death on the cross for us. So he says that the dead in Christ will rise first. He said that they'll rise at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. Okay, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because I really want to get through this chapter tonight. But if we look at Revelation, the book of Revelation, and by the way, please don't say Revelations. That's not the name of the book. It's the book of Revelation, the Revelation to John, not revelations, revelation, singular, okay? Um, when you refer, for, uh, also something else, it's a pet peeve of mine. When you refer to Psalms, you refer to the entire book as the book of Psalms, but if you read a particular chapter out of that book, each of those are individual Psalms. So it's the book of Psalms, plural, but it's Psalm 1 or Psalm 119, not Psalms 1, okay? So Revelation, not Revelations. And Psalm, when you're referring to a particular Psalm, I'm trying to help you be biblically literate. You should be enthusiastic about these things. I'm teaching you here, you people, at the last trumpet. Okay, so in Revelation, 
there are, there are three sevens. There are actually four, but one of them, uh, the Lord says, don't reveal this to anybody. It's the seven thunders, but we don't know anything about them. But there are three major sevens. Actually, there are, there are four if you count the seven churches, okay? But we're going to go past the seven churches because the seven churches are about our, um, our era, the church era, okay? Um, so we're going to jump into these, these last seven years of the earth with these three sevens. There are seven seals. So there is a scroll that is sealed with seven seals, right? And Jesus is the only one as the Lamb of God that can open up the seals. So before the scroll is unrolled, giving us what the actual revelation of the end time is, Jesus opens these seals. Each time a seal is opened, we see an overview of events that are going to happen during the entire church age. There's uh, <clears throat> The first seal is open, and there's the white horse. This is the conquering gospel. The second seal is open. There's a red horse. That's war. The third seal is open. There's a black horse. That's famine. The fourth seal is open. There's a pale horse. That's death. Those things are going to be a part of our world the entire time before Jesus returns. And if you look at the history of the world, you see that. The gospel has continued to go out, okay? But there's also been war, there's also been famine, there's also been death. Then the fifth seal is opened, and we see the martyrs under the throne. So there's been persecution and martyrdom throughout the history of the church. It was intense for periods of time in the first century. When uh, Obama was in office, we had the incidents of ISIS in the world. And, you know, I don't know why, you know, we have these social media outlets now that, you, you know, if you say anything that the artificial intelligence thinks is violent, then they're going to ban your account. But, I mean, back then, you know, this is 2014, they were showing people being decapitated by knives, right? I never watched any of those videos. I don't want that in my mind, okay? It's, well, all it's going to do is make me mad, and I can't do anything about it. Um, but nonetheless, there, there have been martyrs. There have been martyrs in our era. There are still martyrs. There are martyrs in China right now. Um, Chinese communists, the Communist Chinese Party, uh, has been opposed to Christianity since its inception. Marxists hate Christians. Marxists are atheists. Okay, You need to oppose anybody that wants to bring Marxism to this country. Why this has become popular is absolute insanity to me. In the 20th century, there were at least 100 million people who were murdered by Marxists. And you have people today that think it's a good idea. In this country, the land of the free and the home of the brave, it's become the home of people who don't read history. Okay, Marxists are atheists. They don't want to have anything to do with Christianity. And Christians have suffered greatly under Marxism. So there is uh, martyrdom in our ear. That's the fifth seal. The sixth seal, there's a cataclysm in the cosmos. So we see uh, the, the moon turn to blood, and, and we see all of these, these cataclysmic events in the cosmos, which really, that means that, you know, it's, events have reached the end, okay? And then the seventh seal is opened, and we are presented with the trumpet judgments, okay? So this is why I'm, I'm overviewing Revelation here, because it says that at the last trumpet, the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who remain on earth, okay? So what are the seven trumpets? Um, the first trumpet blows hail, fire, and blood, and a third of the earth is burned up. The second trumpet, a fiery mountain is thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea becomes blood. Third trumpet is blown, and this blazing star called Wormwood putrefies a third of the fresh water. The fourth seal, excuse me, the fourth trumpet is blown. The sun, the moon, the star, and the stars are, are struck and made dark. One third of the, of the sun, the moon, and stars are made dark. The fifth trumpet is blown, and <clears throat> creatures from the bottomless pit torment those without God's mark. So prior to any of these things happening, there are 144,000 who are representatives of the chosen on earth, and they are given a mark on their forehead, God's mark. And they will be uh, kept from these initial judgments. 
The sixth trumpet is blown, and four angels from the river Euphrates are released to kill a third of humankind. So all of these judgments, these trumpet judgments are partial. Now, here's what I wanted to get to. The seventh trumpet is blown, and there's a celebration in heaven. And it says, he who was and is has now come and begun to reign, right? So after that, then we see this period of time where the beast is revealed and Satan begins to uh, take significant control over the earth again. Um, and then in chapter 14 of Revelation, uh, there's a very uh, powerful passage that I believe, have always believed, represents what we're talking about when we talk about this rapture, where he says that there was one uh, like the Son of Man who comes seated on a cloud with a sickle in his hand, and he reaps the earth, right? So those who are taken off the earth are removed from this judgment. Then another angel comes and reaps the earth, and there is uh, massive death and blood that uh, covers the earth, okay? Um, let me read this uh, verse about the seventh angel or the seventh trumpet. This is Revelation 11:15. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, "The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ." and he shall reign forever and ever. I believe that that's where this is going to happen. So if Revelation is laid out in any sense of a linear format, then the seven seals are an overview of the church age. The seven trumpets are the first three and a half years of the tribulation. And then the seven bowls, right? I didn't read them, but that's the next set of seven. They happen after the church is taken off the earth. And they are a complete judgment upon the earth. All of the partial judgments under the trumpets are made complete in the bowl judgments. Okay? Um, so the final return of Christ happens after the bowl judgments and after this uh, period that I have referred to that I think is the rapture. I'm going to read two, pa two passages from Revelation. I'm going to read Revelation 14, which I think represents the rapture, the removal of the church from the earth. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and seated on the cloud, one like a son of man, with a golden crown on his head, and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. So he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. I believe that that is those of us who are not destined for wrath, the chosen, the church, being removed from the earth. Okay? And then the final return of Christ in chapter 19. This is chapter Revelation 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, that's many ruling crowns. And he has a name written on him, which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. This is the blood that he that he, he bought us back with because of his sacrifice on the cross. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Friend, Jesus is coming back. I said Sunday, the problem with this country, the number one problem, the primary problem, the problem that causes all the rest of the problems is people don't fear God. Do you fear God? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is who he said he was, who the Bible says he is? Do you believe he's going to return? That'll straighten you out right there. It straightens me out. It keeps me straight. It really does. So we don't know when, but we can be sure that those who have placed their trust in Christ will be changed at his coming and death will be more, no more. If you have Jesus, you should be excited about this, not scared. If you don't, you should be scared. 
and put Christ in your life. <laughs> and then you could be excited, all right? He said, we'll be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death is swallowed up in victory. That's a quote from Isaiah 25. Here's Isaiah 25, 8 and 9. He will swallow up death for all time, and the Lord God will wipe tears away from all faces, and he will remove the reproach of his people from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. And it will be said in that day, Behold, this is our God for whom we have waited, that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Amen? Amen. All right? Let's look at this idea. The sting of death is sin, it says. Well, the reason for death is sin. That's the reason we die. That's the reason human beings were separated from the tree of life, because of sin. It's, death is the curse of sin. Sin is what makes death a fearful prospect, because judgment and condemnation follow for those who reject God's offer of forgiveness and the new life that is given in Christ. For those of us who are in Christ, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, right? Um, that's our hope. For us, death is a transition, the entrance into rest, and we rest with Christ in paradise. Now, this is what you hear at every funeral today. Now, I do a lot of funerals. Um, I haven't done, actually, the last funeral I did was uh, Brother Vernon's funeral. But I do a lot of funerals, and I don't, you know, judge the person who has passed away and try to make everybody believe, though, this person's in hell. You don't want to go there because that's not the purpose. The purpose of a funeral is to comfort those that are there. But I always try to offer hope to people. And I tell them, the only hope I have to offer you is in Christ. He's the only one that overcame death. Nobody else has overcome death, just Jesus. And he offers you that gift of eternal life. He offers you the ability to overcome death as long as you are in him. I can't, you can speculate all you want, but I think you're very, very foolish to think that you're going to automatically go to heaven. That we're all just going to be in heaven and glory with Jesus. I've said this many times in this church. If everybody's going to heaven, then heaven is going to be just like earth. And I want you to look around at the earth right now. It's not very heavenly. So, there are going to be plenty of people that don't go because they won't surrender their lives to Jesus, right? Okay? So, for us, death is a transition. It's that entrance into rest, and we can have that hope of paradise. But that's true because Christ has removed the sting of sin by virtue of his death on the cross. And then he overcame death when he rose on the third day. Listen, you're not naturally going to heaven. Stop telling people that. You're lying to them. You're offering them false hope. You're really sending people to hell by telling them they're automatically going to heaven. Maybe it makes you feel better. Maybe it keeps them from being mad at you, but you're keeping them from the gospel, right? Now, I tell people all the time, when you share the good news with somebody about Jesus' death and resurrection and their ability to receive Christ if they repent of their sin and receive eternal life, they may go, meh, well, that's what you believe. Well, obviously that's what I believe. That's why I'm telling you. Eh, yeah, well, you know, I don't think so. That's not what I believe, okay? But it's still true. You see, their response is not your responsibility, but it is your responsibility to share the good news. It's, first of all, wisdom for you to put your faith in Jesus and in what I'm teaching you here from the Scripture. And secondly, it becomes a responsibility for you to share that good news with the people that are around you, right? So the reason that death is painful for people that don't know Jesus is because of sin, because sin condemns them to eternity separated from God. The power of sin is the law, he says. So I've often thought of the analogy of a bee sting in reference to this quote, right? Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but uh, are any of you scared of bees? You're around bees and you're like, ah, oh, get away from me. 
It's a bee. It's a bee. No, get away from me. I don't like bees. The reality is a bee cannot sting you by itself. Did you know that? Bee lands on my arm. It cannot. It is physically incapable of stinging me itself. Did you know that? It doesn't have the strength to grip your skin and pull its butt into your skin and sting you. It can't do it. Look it up. Google it because it's true. There has to be pressure applied. So see, the way you get stung is by doing that to the bee. Then you're going to get stung because what you did is you pushed the stinger into your own skin. Now you say, well, wait a minute. No, I've gotten stung before and I didn't touch the bee. Well, it was probably because the bee got up under your clothing and you went, ah, 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 and your clothing pulled down on the bee and did what? Pushed the stinger into you. Now, here's the really sad thing. The bee will die after it stings you. It flies away and that stinger has been ripped out of its body and now you've got a little bit of pain, but the bee gave its life for that, right? Okay, I'm not here to make you feel sorry for bees. I, a bee can't sting anyone without outside help. The insect is not strong enough to push its stinger into the skin of the one upon whom it is landed. It is only when the bee is swatted or when it is under a pant leg or a shirt that it presses, uh, that presses down on it that it sings. The pressure of the hand swatting or the clothing pressing down is what the bee uses to sting you. The reason death is so bad is because it is the curse of sin, and that curse results in eternal separation from God and complete destruction. There are many who see death as rest or an escape or a doorway, etc., but only Christ offers such a doorway. The law proves sin. The law is the pressure. Do you see? The law presses sin down into you, right? The power of sin is the law. Um, the reason death is so bad is because it is the curse of sin, and that curse results in eternal separation. The law proves sin. The law presses sin upon us. Thou shalt not doesn't establish sin. It demonstrates it or reveals it. Sin is sin. Now, you may not know that I, I preached on the Ten Commandments on Sunday morning, okay? So someone may not know that it is wrong to worship a false god. May, they may think that their false god is the real god. That doesn't mean it's not sin. It just means they don't know it. When they hear the commandment, now they're responsible for it. It is possible that someone would not know that uh, creating an idol is wrong or praying to a picture is wrong. But as soon as they hear that commandment, then they know. Further, the law proscribes punishment. Okay, so throughout the Old Testament, we see not only, you know, Ten Commandments, but that there are punishment for those who disobey those commandments and the other commandments. Okay, ultimately, the result of sin is death, right? The wages of sin is death. Um, that's the ultimate punishment of sin. So sin is unknown except perhaps as a vague sense of guilt coming from the conscience until the law makes it obvious. Further, we're not held guilty of specific sins apart from the law. This is what it says in Romans 5.13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Now, this doesn't mean that we escape the penalty of death's curse upon us, which is due to our self-centered unbelief and rebellion against God. Let's say that again. Sin, singular, is self-centered unbelief and rebellion. And that produces sins. Okay? I said on Sunday... The primary uh, idol that you and I have is me, self, okay? I'm not going to listen to God. I do what I want to do. Then you have made yourself God, and that is sin, and that will produce all sorts of other sins. You get in trouble, you lie. You see something that you like, you steal. You see something that someone else has, and you want that. Those are all sins but they're all resulting from the same 
sin, right? We're all guilty of that. Um, as it says in verse 14, the very next verse in uh, Romans 5, Nevertheless, sin, singular, reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam. So Adam had a particular sin that he committed, right? Which was he ate the fruit from the tree. But that was the result of this rebellion that he chose to enter into, this unbelief, right? This turning away from God. In Christ, we're set free from the law and thus from the power of sin and death. In Hebrews chapter 2, the writer indicates that prior to Christ's incarnation, Satan was the one who possessed the power of death. Now, I can remember reading these two verses in this church many times when Vernon was in the room. And I knew that this was something that I wanted him to hear over and over again because I believed he was going to be closer to death than any of us. Sadly, uh, Jonathan ended up passing away before Vernon, right? And he was only 19 when he passed away. The reality is we just don't ever know. But here are the verses. This is Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Therefore, since children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same. That's Jesus. He partook of our flesh and blood. That through death, Jesus died, he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. We're set free from sin and death and our slavery to the fear of it. So um, let's move toward the end here. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And th this is good news, right? This is, we're so mundane, folks. We're so worldly. We really are. Uh, we're so enchanted and inured by the dirt at our feet that we don't look up, okay? Whatever's getting you down, whatever or whoever, I should say, is putting you down, wherever you've failed, remember, if Jesus Christ is Lord in your life, then you will ultimately have victory. I face this every day. Yesterday, my, I don't believe in good day, bad day, but I do believe that we set ourselves up to have bad days. Have you done that? Yesterday, I got to go fast because I got to get to the end, but I needed to confess this because you guys on Wednesday are where I confess my sins to my brothers and sisters, right? So yesterday, I'm driving to the gym. I go to the gym every morning, anywhere between seven and nine, I go to the gym. Okay. And uh, I drive the same route pretty much every morning. If I'm driving early in the morning, then I go past the elementary school over by Winters Park. If I drive later in the morning when I know the elementary school and the middle school are, you know, everybody's dropping their kids off there, then I go around by Naaman School High School down Naaman Forest. Either way, I'm getting over to North Garland Road so I can get, get over to my gym lifetime, okay? So I go and it's early and I come to the stop sign right by uh, the elementary school over there. I know it's Webb Middle School. I don't remember the name of the elementary school. And it's right there before you turn. And there's a lady sitting at the stop sign. Just sitting at the stop sign. So uh, this, is, this is, we're all distracted, y'all. When you're driving, drive. Stay off this. You want to get in a wreck? Be texting and talking on the phone and all this. I don't know what she was doing. Okay. She had a fairly new Ford Explorer. And I could see the screen in there that was lit up and all this other stuff. So what I do when somebody doesn't move is I just do a little uh-uh. It's not a hey, hey. It's just a uh-uh. Most people, oh, 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 they look up and they go. I went, I did a little uh-uh. And then the lady put her middle finger out the window at me. So then she still didn't move, so I honked a little longer because the middle finger, okay, lady, happy day, just go. She wouldn't move. So I honked a little. She moved and then stepped on the brakes. I think she wanted me to hit her or something. I don't know, okay? 
So then I honked a lot longer. I'm just wanting her to go. I, what are we doing here? Why are we playing this game? And she just held her middle finger out the window. Just, yeah. So I got as close to her as I could get without hitting her and laid on my horn. I'm like, lady, go! I don't care about your middle finger and your hurt feelings and whatever. Now, I'm not saying this because it's right. I'm telling you, I, I could have handled this differently. Okay? This is wrong. This is not the way that I should handle things. Okay? If I understand that I have the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ, I need to stop letting the world get me down. And I was having a bad day. Right? Primarily because, well, she finally, after a million years... Turned. And I'm telling you, she's got her middle finger out the window the whole time. So then I go all the way around her and go to the stop sign, and she parks way back here. Now, this, what I did was not very Christ-like at all, okay? Thankfully, I don't have any Christian bumper stickers on my truck. <laughs> okay? But this, okay, so I've got, you know, women in this room, Okay? Even men, it's really, really dangerous for you to do something like that. She was alone in her vehicle. She is remarkably foolish for doing that. She doesn't have any danger. She doesn't have anything to fear from me. I'm not going to do anything to her, but I'm guaranteeing you, a single dude who has no relationship with Jesus, who's being flipped off by this woman, might well get out of his vehicle and do something that would not be very pleasant for that lady. She's not very smart. But so uh, she didn't ruin my day. I ruined my day because of how I handled it. Because I know better. I know better, right? It's just too easy to be so inured and enchanted by this world that we just, we don't pay attention to the Holy Spirit and let him guide us, right? So, uh, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the, in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So you can let an incident get you down. And I did. I, 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 that just frustrated me for the rest of the day, primarily not because of the lady. I, I don't know who she is, and I don't care. Okay, I can even pray for her. She's not evil. She's obviously got some issues, but she's not evil, okay? I don't want anything bad to happen to her. She needs to stop doing that or something bad is going to happen to her, right? Somebody's going to have an old truck and they're just going to rear-end her and then drive off, okay? Something, don't do this, guys, right? Just don't, road rage incidents happen, okay? And, you know, in Texas, anybody can carry a gun in their car and people are stupid enough to use them. So that was just foolish. It got me down for the rest of the day. So then, later in the day, there was somebody over at Intrinsic that was yammering and yammering and yammering and would not shut up and was just getting on my nerves. And I, I, just got, I was there. I, was just, I just got up and left. I was like, I can't. And it, that kid that was just yammering should not have gotten on my nerves. But I let that happen because I didn't have my focus where I needed my focus, okay? We have this victory through Christ. We can be steadfast. We can be immovable. We can be abounding in the work of the Lord and representing Jesus everywhere we go, right? So uh, let's do that. Let's abound in the work of the Lord. Let's represent the Holy Spirit. Don't be like me yesterday and be grumpy and frustrated and worldly. Let's have this hope of eternal life in front of us that causes us to look up and look out. Because you know, the reality is I could have you know, done the little honk-honk, she could have flipped me off, and I could have very slowly pulled around her and then just gone on and just done nothing. That's what I should have done. That's what I should have done. Just done nothing and prayed for her. And I can say that now. And ideally, that's what I'll do next time. But that's what we need to do. Don't slack off. Don't be lazy. Don't be selfish. Love others and help meet their needs. Share the gospel with people. Tell people the good news. Act like you belong to the coming Christ. Don't be concerned about the opinions of other people, whether they flip you off or not. If you fear the Lord, you need fear no one else. That's important. There's nothing anyone can do to diminish or destroy you if you are in Christ. What you do for Jesus and those whom you bring to faith in Christ will survive death. Nothing else will survive death. 
all these other things we concern ourselves with aren't going to make it to the other side. Amen? So that's the hope that we have. took me eight weeks to get through chapter 15, but there it is. 16, I plan on finishing next week. So I hope you come back then and uh, we'll finish up this chapter. And then my plan is to go on to uh, 2 Corinthians. So God bless you guys. Thank you for joining us. Hope you enjoyed my confession. All right.